I, I would expect that uh, all of us have had some difficult days in the last years. And it seems, as uh, Henry prayed, that there's more difficulties coming, you know, that uh, people are getting sick. If, if you, uh, I would be surprised if, if anyone in here has not experienced someone dying in the last few years or someone who's uh, in a bed expecting maybe to pass on, like uh, Peter's uh, relatives in, in Texas. So, so difficult days have happened. F- difficult days will happen. And uh, it, it seems like more are coming uh, just because we're in the times that we're in. And so, you know, does that take away the promises that God has made, has given us? You know, the, the big promise that I hope that everyone has is that Jesus Christ died for your sins, right? And that uh, we were all destined for the wrong place. And because of that sacrifice, uh, we're all here worshiping the living God, right? And so that is the main promise. But there's other promises, and, it, and so the, that's what I want to share with you, a little bit of God's promises. And so to receive the promises of God, you need to have faith, to believe, right? You have to believe that he is who he is and that his word is true. And so we know, we understand that some of the promises that God has given are conditional, like the nation of Israel. Uh, there's some, some promises that have a big if in front of them. And so that applies to some of us as well. It, it, that if is is conditioned on our conduct, our behavior. So Israel, as we know, didn't receive all the promises because they were disobedient as a nation. But there's promises that have no condition that God didn't put a condition on. So so then, if faith is required, then we must believe what God has said, and then we must take action and walk in the faith that God has given us. So. Faith, it says in Hebrews 11, 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So then it's something that we can't see. We hope in it and we trust in it and we know the word of God, right? And so in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So then you hear God's word and then God will have you to take action on that word that you're going to walk and then expect God to move in your life. So in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. So as we all know that we like to see things happen. We like to see what's going to happen. We like to see the ending of things, right? And so we know also what the Bible says that in Romans 8, 24 and 25, it says, For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we don't see, not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. So there's this this unseen thing that God wants us to to trust in you know none of us have seen god we just know about his word and if you're born again you've been touched by his by his presence and he revealed himself to you and that's where you put your your faith in him and you trust him for your salvation but as we walk and live our lives things happen 
the enemy comes in or is allowed to come in and try to steal that hope, try to steal your faith. And we would say, we could be honest and say that our faith has been shaken at times in our lives. We believe what God has said, but sometimes we that belief is ripped off because we don't see what's going on. Like I could tell you things and I'm asking God when and how it's going to happen. You see, but faith is something that God wants us to have and walk by. So then when he does things in our lives, then our faith will continue to grow as we trust him. So I wanted to share uh, one example of a faithful man in this Bible and so what we're going to see is that at times people aren't so faithful. So then in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 2, it says, For by, by it, which is faith, the elders obtain a good testimony. So the elder that we're going to talk about is called the father of faith. As we all know, if you, if you know your Bible, it's Abraham. So I want to take you through some of the parts of Abraham's life from the beginning when he was called to the things that God called him to and how his faith at times was strong and at times it wasn't so strong. So just to show us that natural humans like us, we might be ha have a condition like this at times, right? It could happen to anyone, you know. It could happen. You could come and have a trial in your life that, man, where is God, you know, I've been there several times. Where is God today? Where Has he forgotten about me? You know, or when we get anxious and we take uh, matters into our own hands, we step uh, ahead of God. So if you want to turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, we're going to go through through some of the events that that Abraham uh, or in this case, at chapter 12, he's called Abram. So we're going to be in chapter 12 for a little while and then we'll move on. So in chapter 12, it says, now, now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed. As the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old, he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all the possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had, whom they had acquired in Haran, they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Sheshem, as, so, as far as the terebinth tree of Moreh, and the Canaanites were there, were then in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had prepared to him, who had appeared to him, I'm sorry. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel, on the west of Ai and on the east, there he built the, an altar to the Lord and called the name on the called on the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed going south towards the south. So Abram answered God and he began a good start with God in answering and taking a uh, an action move 
and, and responding to what God had told him. So he had faith in responding to go to this land where he'd never been. And some of you know about this. You've been called to places where you've never been. But then what we see in verse 12 is that, you know, he decides that maybe he needs to go to another direction where God didn't tell him to go. So it came to pass, verse 11, it says, It came to pass when he was closing to enter, close to entering Egypt that he said to, to Sarah, his wife, Indeed, I know that you are a woman of a beautiful countenance. Therefore, it will happen when the Egyptians see you. They will say, This is the, his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please say, You are my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake, and that I may live because of you. So that wasn't part of God's instructions, as you can see. That wasn't what God told him. God told him that he was going to send him to a land and that he was going to give him that land as a possession. And so he saw things a little different than God, and he, fear changed his mind. And fear is one of the reasons that sometimes our faith will waver. And this is what happened to Abram, that his faith began to waver as he saw, thought that they would kill him because of his beautiful wife, right? But God, because he had made this, this unconditional promise, intervened at a, for Abram. So it says right there in uh, verse 15, it says, The princes of Pharaoh also saw her and commanded, commended her to the Pharaoh, and the woman was taken to the Pharaoh's house. He treated Abram well for her sake, he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male and female servants, female donkeys and camels. But the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues. And because of Sarai, Abram's wife, and the Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? And why did you say she is my sister? I might have taken her, my wife. Now, therefore, here is your wife and take her and go your way. So Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. So here we see that the, this man was just a man just like us, and he wavered in his faith, what God had told him, and he took matters into his own hands. And, and again, Abram, you know, he uh, took, saw it his way. And so then what it tells us is that sometimes when we see things with our own eyes, we deceive ourselves because we can't see what God sees. But God is calling us to trust him when we can't see what he sees. So, so then we go to the next part of Abram. As he continues, we go to chapter 16 and see what he does next. So in chapter 16, in verse 1, it says, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has refrained from me from bearing children. Please go in, into my maid. Perhaps I will obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai, and Sarai's, Abram's wife, took Hagar her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And after Abram dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, so it went, he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became 
despised in her eyes. So this is what happens when we don't trust God and we take matters again into our own hands and we lean on what we think is right instead of the word of God and what God has promised in our lives. So we know the scriptures in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and 7. It says, trust in the Lord with your, all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. And in verse 7, it says, do not be wise in your own eyes, and he shall, and fear the Lord and depart from evil. So what happened here is Abram, he was wise in his own eyes. His wife was wise in her own eyes, and they made a decision against God's will. You see, God was calling them to trust. And the reason I point out these things that happened to them is because these things will happen if we don't trust God, and maybe they've already happened. Maybe we've already taken some detours apart from God's uh, taking us to places where we should have obeyed, and then we know the story. We're not going to get into the story that this is not the son of the promise. You see, God already had made a promise, and this was not the son of the promise. So sometimes we could think, well, why not, you know? We could say, well, why didn't he just let her get, have a son right away? Because he wanted them to trust. He wanted them to have faith in him and build up their faith. So if we go to Genesis chapter 17, we see what God says in verse 5 and 7. It says, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. And I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you. Kings shall come from you, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants from after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to God, to be God, to be God to you and your descendants after you. So very interesting that they are given this great promise and they, they're going to be the father. He's going to be the father of many nations. And he doesn't even see himself as the father of one kid yet. You know, we're going to see that God is establishing this covenant with nothing seen. He has not seen anything. He hasn't seen God move. He hasn't seen God do anything. That's why he took matters into his own hands. And he makes the promise to in verse uh, 15. Then God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name, and I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she will be the mother of many nations. Kings of people shall be from her. Then Abram fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarai, who is 90 years old, bear a child? So not a, not a very good statement of faith. He's, he's, these, these folks are, are doubting what God has said. And it could happen to us. Have you doubted what God has promised in your life? Have you doubted things that God has promised? You know, that God has made promises to you about Things and people that are going to come and to the to to Christ, I have, I have, I've doubted God, saying, "How's it going to happen, Lord? I don't see anything happening. I've been praying for twenty years for these people, 
these stubborn people, and they even get worse. But God says, have faith, trust. See, we see here that God changed their names. This is the beginning. God wants to change our attitude. Maybe he doesn't want to change our names, but he wants to change your attitude of how you see him as the one who can do all things in your life. God wants to do things that you would never imagine. You know, I've, I've been in this, in this congregation for quite a while, and I would have never imagined the things that God has done. But he wouldn't have done them if I didn't believe that I was somewhere else. If I was at home not believing. You see, God wants us to put our confidence in the identity, not in of ourselves, but the identity that we have in Jesus Christ. That's the confidence that God wants to give us in that we have our identity now. See, he changed their names, and in one sense, he changed our identity to be in Christ. But you could be in Jesus Christ and still not believe the promises. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, it says, verse 35, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Verse 37, yet in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Interesting how we could be called conquerors when we're killed all day long. We're conquerors because we are rooted in Jesus Christ and trusting that the end has already been taken care of. Though we don't see it, you could be like Paul wrote this to the Romans and Paul was beheaded. But his faith was that God had conquered death. That's where we are conquerors. And so faith is required to conquer the trials that are laid before you. Faith is required to walk this walk. So now we could move on to Genesis 18 and see how God deals with doubt. See, they doubted God, and so God addresses that. So in verses 9 through 14, Then they said to him, Where is Sarah your wife? These are the guys who came to, to see Abraham. In verse 1, it says, The Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre, and he is, was sitting in the tent door at the heat of the day. So the, these, uh, the, the Lord came with the two of the angels, and then in verse 9, they're asking a question. And then they said to him, Where is your Sarah, your wife? So he said, Here, here in the tent. And he had said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of the life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abram, Abraham and Sarah were old and well advanced in age. And Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself. After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old? old also and the lord said to abraham why did sarah laugh saying shall i surely bear a child since i am old and this is the the key verse in 14 is anything too hard for the lord at the appointed time i will return to you according to the time of life and sarah shall have a son 
But Sarah denied it and did not laugh. I did not laugh for she was afraid. And he said, but no, but you did laugh. Imagine laughing for us to laugh at the promises of God. Imagine. You would think that God would have given up on them and found two other people. But the promises were made that it would go through Abraham. You see? So it wasn't a conditional promise. So God is going to continue dealing with them. Faith, you know, has a journey. Our faith can have a journey like theirs of going up and down, wavering on God's promises, not trusting because we're looking at things that we see. And we don't see God doing anything. But God is working. We need to have God increase our faith, you know. We need to pray that God would increase our faith. And if, and if you struggle with, with that, you know, we see what we see, right? But we need to see what God sees. We need to trust him in order to see what he sees. In, in the book of Mark, chapter 9, uh, verse 18, it says, And wherever it sees him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that you that they should cast it out, but they could not. This is a story about this man who brought his son to the disciples, and he was uh, uh, having all these seizures. You know, he had a demon, and they he came to these disciples, and they couldn't do anything out. They couldn't cast out the demon. And so uh, they come to Jesus, and Jesus speaks about their faith, their weak faith. And then it says in verse 24, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. After Jesus addressed the disciples and told them, you're of little faith. And then this man cries out and says, increase my faith, help my faith, Lord. It's interesting that he asked that while the disciples didn't ask for their faith to be increased. After Jesus addresses their lack of faith, they didn't ask that their faith would be increased. So it's a lesson to us. We should always ask God to increase our faith. God wants to do mighty works in your life, and faith is needed, and he provides the faith. We have to walk in the faith, you see. So then we move on to to chapter 21, where God is faithful. He delivers his word. His word is good. In verses 1, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken him. And Abram called called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. So God is faithful. He always delivers as he says he's going to deliver. The problem is our faith is wavering. Our faith is lacking. So we need to always be aware that God is going to be faithful. And I know that you guys have testimonies. I know that you've seen God move in your life. But when storms come and situations come and attack our faith, attack our unbelief, then we should stand fast with God. Oftentimes, we let fear come in. We let other things come in, and unbelief will capture you. Fear will capture you instead of being captured by Christ. 
the faithful God that we serve. You know, they went through a series of doubts, and, and God was faithful. God is always faithful. First Thessalonians 5.24, He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. All we need to, that's all we need to know. In, in 2 Thessalonians 3.3, 3, it says, But the Lord is faithful, who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. And then in Philippians 1.6, it says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Abraham forgot, and often we forget, who started this good work. Who started this work in your life? Who began this good work? We should always remember that God is not going to let himself down. We let God down. We let ourselves down. We let other people down. But God won't let you down. He's going to be faithful to the very end. So then when you, when you see Abraham, now he looks like the faithful one. He went through a bunch of up and downs. But then finally, you know, he believes God. And so there's that time when God strengthens your faith. And then comes the testing of your faith. Have your, has your faith been tested? I believe it probably has. So then the only question is, how have you done in the testing of your faith? It's between you and the Lord, right? So an example of that is in Genesis chapter 22. And Abraham is tested. And now we see a different Abraham. You know, faith needs to be tested. We need to be tested. Our faith needs to be tested so it could grow. You see, we could say, we could say, well, how, how come God didn't just let Sarah have this child of the promise? Because God wanted them to go through this series of tests so they could trust God. You see, so we could trust God. The same thing, you know, and I, I would imagine that all, you guys are no strangers to this. And so. We see what happened here in verse one. It says, now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only, uh, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah. Offer him there as a burnt offering from one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. So you don't see any wavering in Abraham here. He gets up. How many of us could do that? How many of us could follow and answer what this call is to go sacrifice a loved one, right? But here we see a different Abraham. In verse 5, it says, And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. That's a statement of faith right there. He's stating to these guys that he went with them, We'll be back. We'll be back. Not just me, but we'll be back. So then the second statement of faith that Abraham makes is in verse 8. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. So the son asked, hey, dad, I don't see the lamb. We're, we got the wood. We got the fire. But where's the lamb? And so prophetically, Abraham says, 
right there, my son, God will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering. He's speaking there and in the future that himself, Jesus Christ, would one day become the offering for the salvation of the whole world. But what I wanted to show you is that here you don't see Abraham taking matters into his own hands. This is probably where we would waver more and take matters into our own hands. You see, how many of you, you got to be honest, would offer up your son or your daughter? Tough, tough thing, you know. And so just want to remind us that God had a plan and he the this this uh, this blessing would come through Isaac. It would come through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the way down to through Judah and through David and all these guys that God had to do it that way. So that meant to Abraham that if he offered up this guy as a sacrifice, that God would have to revive him. He trusted God that God would do it, you see, because we could say the promise could come through somebody else. But it would have to come or else it would make God a liar. He said, I promise it was going to come through this guy, Isaac, you see. And so then we're called to believe God. And that's what Abraham, he's called the father of faith. But now we see why he's called the father of faith. Because he trusted God. And God is calling you and me to trust him in all these things, right? And so we also see in the story that, uh, that Isaac had faith. He obeyed because we know that he was old enough where he could have left. He could have ran off, but he trusted God. And it was also a picture of being obedient, and Jesus would also be obedient to the point of the cross to obey the, what the plan was from the Father, and it would be a, a a, a pre a forerunner of what would come later. So I want to just uh, take you to another promise in the book of Acts, chapter 27. So God, God makes promises to us. You know, we don't know how he's going to do it. And, uh, you know, he, he, here he makes a promise that he's going to take Paul to, uh, to Rome. Rome, has a, Rome was the place where he wanted to go preach. And uh, he doesn't know how he's going to get there. He has no clue how he's going to get there. But he ends up being arrested. And he has the Roman guard taking him. But they run into a problem. And uh, they run into this, this bad storm. And they're on the ship. And, and so... Here we see what happens there, how Paul has faith that he's going to make it there. So in verse 22, and now I urge you, take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong, whom I serve, saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. Indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as he told me. Do you believe God? Do you believe that it will be just like he told us? Do you believe it? So we here we have this, uh, this 
example of Paul, the Apostle Paul, who believes what God said, that he's going to take him. Now, he didn't understand how he was going to go there, but he believed, and God took him there. And, uh, you know, we got after the, the ship wrecked, and they get on that island, you know, there was another obstacle where he got bitten by that deadly serpent, and they expected him to die. And he just took it and cast it into the fire. That that serpent represents the enemy, and that's what God is going to do to the enemy, you see. But, he, but it took faith, and so to believe God's word, that God was going to take him there. And we know that Paul made it there. He uh, preached there. And uh, he, even some of the prisoners, you know, became Christians. And so there's a lesson for us that, you know, God is going to accomplish it. And he's accomplishing it in your life right now. You might not like the travel arrangements that he has for you and accomplishing his, his, his goals in your life. But he's going to do it. See, maybe Paul thought he was going to go in some luxury ship. But he went under the Roman guard because God wanted it that way. And God had a plan. And God has a plan for your life. And you might think it's not happening, but it's going to happen. God is just asking us to believe and to walk by faith, right? Walk by faith and not by sight. So, so if we go to uh, real quick to Mar Mark chapter 4. Just want to share something here. So in, in Mark chapter 4, uh, in verse uh, 35, I'll read it, I'll read it all, all the way down to 41. It says, uh, in verse 35, it says, On the same day when the evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude and they took him along in the boat as he was and the other little boats were also with him and the great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? Why is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and they, sailed to one, they said to one another, Who can this be, that even the wind and the sea obey him? So then we see that uh, when... Things happen in our lives when we're confronted with situations, with storms, you see. Then our faith, we could have great faith when nothing's going on. When the sea was calm, when nothing was happening, they didn't wake him up then, you see. So it's good. It's good to call on the name of the Lord. But here it shows that they lack faith, you know. And so in, in, in the book of Matthew, the same uh, story it says there that he commanded he commanded to depart to the other side he said let us cross over in the one we just read let us cross over to the other side on the other side is a different story that was waiting for them jesus told them where they were going yet when the storm came their boat took on water they immediately panicked 
Is that, isn't that just like us? Isn't that just like us? When the storms come, when we see with our eyes and then we see things happening, we think that God has forsaken us. We think it's not going to happen. But I want to remind us that here they forgot who was in the boat with them. They even comment and say, who, what manner, who is this man? Who, what kind of man is this that he speaks to the wind? Jesus commands the wind because he created all things, you see. But they forgot that there was a, the captain that was in the ship with them. The captain was in the boat with them. And sometimes we forget who's with us. We think we're all alone. Sometimes we, we, we feel like we're alone. And those times when you feel like you're all alone, that's when God is with you the most. That's when God is with you the most. God, what does the Bible say? That he will never leave you nor forsake you. The problem is that when our faith wavers, we can leave him. We can forget about who he is. We forget about the great God that we serve. And then we, our faith will wander off. You know, you got to remember what God has promised us. He's promised us that he will do the things in your life. He's going to accomplish them. And you got to believe. Our job is to believe him and then to walk in those things that he puts us in. And, and, and we know that in this world, you're going to have tribulation. But what did Jesus say? I've already overcome that. I've already taken care of that. You know, I've already gone through it. The problem is that we're in this time and God's outside of time. And he can see the finished product. He can see it. That's why Peter wrote in his epistle, he wrote that by his stripes, we were healed. We were already healed in God's eyes. We already passed through those things. You see, we had to have the faith that those three Hebrew young men had when they were going to be thrown into that fiery furnace. You see, they believed that God could do it. They answered the, the, the king, and they said, we're not careful to answer you. We know that God can deliver us, but if he should choose not to, it's okay with us. That's the faith that God wants us to have, to know that he can, but whatever he chooses in your life, that it's okay with you, that whatever is God chooses is better than what I choose. Those choices that Abraham made were the wrong choices, but he thought they were good choices at the time. And we do the same thing. We think we're making the right choice, but it's going against God's word. It has to be the wrong choice. It might not look right from where you're sitting, but where God sits, it looks good. Let me tell you that. And I want to tell you in closing that God when we accepted Jesus Christ, that we were in the darkness, we were in the, the world, we were in the land of perdition, we were doing whatever we were doing, even the best who were doing good, they thought they were doing good, like me, I thought I was a good guy, but I was lost and going to hell. And that day that we came to Jesus Christ, God made a promise to you. He said, let us go to the other side. And that promise is good. You could take it anywhere. It's good forever. And that promise is the one we want our families to have. 
God wants to take our families to the other side. But God is calling us to trust him. He's calling us to pray. He's calling us to not look with our eyes, but trust almighty God who has said it. And I believe it. He's going to do it. He's going to complete it. And we have to believe it and trust. A lot of stories I could tell you of God, what God has done. Impossible things. God can raise the dead. He can raise the dead, man. Did you know that, that, that our end is, is easier than God's end? In one sense, in man's ways of looking at things? Because it's impossible to raise the dead. But God can speak it. And ours is to believe it. So do you believe what God has promised in your life? Do you believe it? So we pray that God would increase our faith, right? So God has promised to take me to the other side, which is in the kingdom of God, right? When one day, you know, I pass away. But in between, from the promise to the end, God has made some different travel arrangements that I never imagined. Some I liked, some I didn't like. But not, not the least, I trusted him. And it's a, it's a learning process to trust him.